to Satellite Podcast. I'm your host, David Thay, back after another break to talk to you about some interesting details that I gleaned out of the story of Lazarus recently. In continuing my study through the book of John with the FCA at my school, I've told y'all before about the commentary I've been using called Enduring Word, and it just brought to light some really fascinating cultural details from the story of Lazarus and his resurrection that I wasn't aware of that really added a whole new layer of context and meaning to the story for me. So the story of Lazarus originates in chapter 11 of the book of John, and it starts with Mary and Martha sending someone to Jesus that says, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And it's interesting that the commentary points out here that Martha and Mary did not specifically ask Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. They apparently didn't feel like they needed to. They just felt like it was enough to simply tell him what the problem was, knowing that he could heal Lazarus from afar if it was necessary. But what's really interesting is that Jesus waited four days before he came. And I've always kind of wondered why that was, but it turns out there's a very interesting societal context on why he did this. And we're going to get to that later. And Jesus chooses not to resurrect Lazarus from a distance, which is interesting because in going back to Judea, the disciples were apparently rather alarmed and didn't want Jesus to go back because they knew at this point that the religious leaders were in clear opposition to Jesus and were seeking to harm him or kill him. And so he was well aware that going back to Judea was dangerous. And that's why you see them straight up say in verse 8, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back. And Jesus gives this interesting response in verse 9, which is one that I've always kind of struggled to decipher. And he says, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And again, this has always been kind of one of those nebulous just Jesus statements to me, but I really like the explanation that's given in this commentary from Alford, who says this, Jesus is essentially saying, I have a fixed time during which to work, appointed me by my Father. During that time, I feel no danger. I walk in his light, even as the traveler in the light, even as the traveler in the light of this world by day. And essentially what he's saying is, until I finish the task that God's appointed for me, I am invincible. It is not my time to be persecuted yet. I am walking in the daylight. The twilight isn't here yet, and until the twilight comes, I am completely safe. And again, I just love this explanation because it really simplifies to me the meaning of what Jesus is trying to say. And then you get this great response from Thomas in verse 16, who says, Let us go also that we may die with him. And there's always the note right there that Thomas, who is also called Didymus, says, Let us go also that we may die with him. So apparently, and maybe this is known to you folks listening, I didn't know this, but Church tradition holds that Thomas was called twin because he looked like Jesus. And so for him to say, let's go that we shall die also, he specifically was at especially high risk because he could be mistaken by Jesus and captured or harmed because he looked like him. So when he says, well, let's go so we can die with him, it really is a pretty alarming declaration of his faith and his willingness to go with Christ and to commit his life to the cause of what Christ is doing. I thought that was a really interesting piece of context to that passage. Now, here's where we get to the punchline, the big part, the big part of what I wanted to share. It says that when Jesus arrived, Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. And here's what I didn't know. Jewish tradition held that 
a soul stayed near the grave for three days with the hope of returning to the body. Therefore, it was widely accepted among their culture that after three days on the fourth day, grief reached its height because there was no hope of resuscitation. The soul realized that it could not return to the body and it journeyed on into the afterlife. So when Jesus tarries waiting to go to Bethany, he knows that if he goes and resurrects Lazarus after the three days have passed, he is showing a level of mastery over death that these people have never seen and didn't even think was possible. That one tidbit alone blew me away. The fact that Jesus' delay in answering the prayer was intentional. And we know it's intentional, but like, it was designed to bring the greatest possible glory to the Father. Now, here's my thought. What if you're Lazarus? I'm just thinking if I'm in Lazarus' shoes, Lord, we called up to you for help. We needed your healing. And Lazarus literally had to die for God to be optimally glorified in this situation. That is just a crazy thought to me. And the, there's some context in the passages that seems to indicate the people probably didn't believe that resurrection was possible because the time has elapsed. And you see Martha state to Jesus when he arrives, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And it seems that they believe that Jesus was able to heal Lazarus while he was sick but alive, or maybe even able to raise Lazarus from the dead, but not now. And... It's interesting, and this is one of the things in the commentary. It says, but death was no stronger in his presence than disease was, but they didn't realize this. They would think of death as unconquerable, especially after that time period had elapsed. And with disease, men may grapple and fight and sometimes even overcome, but the presence of death leaves us all helpless. And I love that explanation of it. And so the Jews who came with their weeping is quoted in the next, and the next verse says that the Jews came with their weeping. And then the commentary adds an interesting note about the weeping that Jesus saw when he arrives. Apparently, for Jews, the louder you wept at someone's death and passing, the more honor that was paid to the dead. So when Jesus shows up, these people aren't just crying. They're literally wailing and shrieking, emphasizing their grief and sorrow and trying to honor Lazarus with the magnitude of their grief and sorrow. So... When Jesus sees they're weeping and he weeps, we have to understand they're literally howling and shrieking in their sorrow. And that's what Jesus comes into. And it, when it says Jesus wept, just to be clear, the word used there indicates that it was a almost silent, mournful sob, not the kind of shrieking wailing they were doing. So his was not an attempt to pay honor to this tradition, it was truly him being deeply emotionally moved and responding with tears of sorrow and sharing the burden of sadness that these people felt. And then as we wrap the story up, I love how a lot of the commentaries will say that Jesus had to call Lazarus out by name because if he didn't, the entirety of all the dead would have risen. And I really love that explanation. So I gave you some context, some cool facts, but here's like the application piece to me from this story. There are so many times when we seek God's intervention, we come to God with requests, we come to God with problems, we come to God seeking him to be God in situations in our life. And we don't always understand his delays. 
And like I said, if I'm Lazarus, one of the first things I'm asking Jesus when I woke up was, why did you wait so long? Why did I have to die for you to be glorified? Why did I have to suffer? And ultimately, it's for Jesus, in this case, to show a level of mastery over death that people didn't even think was possible. So that when he resurrects himself from the dead later on, they understand the context of, oh my, this is something that we know is within his power to do. It provides context for his resurrection moving forward. And I think that's the application for us is there are times when things that are seemingly for our detriment are allowed because for God, it will bring later and greater glory and also it will bring restoration and resurrection for us at the mature and proper time. Jesus did resurrect Lazarus and and Lazarus awoke from the dead, healed of his sickness. His prayer was answered. However, it was done in a way that is not how Lazarus would have chosen, but ultimately brought God the most glory. And I struggle with the idea of going through the death of my wife's mother who suffered from Alzheimer's and losing one of my best friends three months ago to ALS at age 40 with a three and a half year old daughter he's leaving behind. And I don't understand why these things happen, why God doesn't allow these people more time, why they had to suffer through horrible illness before they died. But I read patches like this and I choose to believe, even if I can't see how it is true, I choose to believe that God has a greater glory through their suffering and sickness that he is going to bring about. And I can only believe that because I see the examples of him doing it in the past. This is Dave Bethay for Satellite Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.